Hello everyone, welcome back to the Early Education Show. We're here with episode 71. I'm Liam. And I'm Lisa. And guess what, Liam? What, Lisa? We've passed the 2nd of July and the sun still comes up. Oh my God, it's actually here. So I was going to say, in terms of the podcast, so we, we talked about the Jobs for Families package in episode one. It passed at around about episode 25. And now we're finally here at episode 71 and we're actually in the new system. It feels slightly, <laughs> slightly strange. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so um, we're here. We're gonna we're gonna basically our plan tonight is we're gonna sort of do a bit of a, a wrap up of. There's been a lot of media. There's been a lot of attention. Liam, um, you can't say our plan tonight because people might be listening to us at the crack of dawn. That's true. I mean, I, I think people are used to us doing that now, but um. So we're going to sort of have a look at what the media has been saying, what we're sort of feeling from the sector. Look, we know you're sick to death of the childcare subsidy and the childcare package as well. We are too. So are we. So are we. But it's happening. It's here. There's been a lot to talk about. So I think we're going to have to we're going to have to touch on it. But um, I think we will start with. Uh, I mean, I guess to main... from Leanne might be a good thing to. Well, we should say yes, Leanne. Um, do we want to say well, she's she's away at a writing retreat? This week, as part she's of the... learning how to write like an academic. I know. Is there any other podcast retreats available, Lisa? Like weeks in <laughs> the Blue Mountains or something for podcast we retreats? We went to a masterclass once on on podcasts. We didn't understand a word they were talking yeah. about. And you didn't retreat anywhere. No, no. Oh, we did. We retreated from the masterclass. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. The opera house, and so there happens to be a very nice bar underneath mm. the opera house so that's where we retreated to best place to retreat to really so why don't we start with big picture general overall thoughts about the last couple of weeks the lead up to july 2 and i guess we're in that week now you know lisa what's you know what's maybe the biggest takeaway for you over the last little while look i just saw a lot of services running backwards forwards sideways just trying to do anything to get their families and themselves over the line Almost every service, large provider, medium-sized provider that I spoke to was having an enormous amount of stress in the lead-up to it actually happening. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, like it, it was just taken for granted that services would do what was required to get parents into the new system but at no stage did they get any additional funding for that. Did they get any professional development about what might be expected from them? They just kind of got those emails from the department saying, by the way, could you suggest that your families do this? Or, by the way, have you done this yet? And I think, you know, like it could have been done in a lot easier way for services. Yeah, look, I think my, um, you know, key thing that I've thought about uh, in preparing for tonight was I think we'd, we'd had the July 2 deadline in our heads for so long, I think, you know, and we, we kind of thought that that would be the crunch point. What surprised me was how much that sort of week and a half leading up to that was actually probably the most stressful and difficult time leading up to it. Um, so obviously I work for an organisation that provides early childhood. We were right in the thick of getting pre- getting prepared, doing exactly the stuff you were talking about, Lisa, which is, you know, one-on-one conversations with families about uh, supporting them through that process. The, but the actual last week of June was uh, pretty pretty challenging and, and difficult and, and required a lot of, you know, time and energy and effort that, you know, probably could have been better spent, you know, improving outcomes for children instead of on the phone 
um, explaining statements to families. For sure. For sure. So we're here now. It's we're week one of the system. So as this episode comes out on Friday, we're recording this Wednesday night, but on Friday, that'll be a big milestone, a big test for the system. The majority of services will be submitting their first four weeks of enrolments under the new system, and that's going to be a crucial uh, test for the actual IT system but you know we're a week in hang on not everyone will some some people will under the legislation you only have to do it every two weeks yeah. some people will wait a, a, another week before they submit yeah so. i think i think the majority will but that it, it, it attendances will be being submitted on today yeah. as this episode comes out so that'll be a big test but um now, not to suggest that you know we are always been entirely negative about this package, Lisa. Certainly not. We're very fair and balanced here. We're very fair and balanced here at the Early Education Show. Um, yes. So you know, let's start with a fair and reasonable and balanced question, um, Lisa. What's the actual worst bit of this package? Um, look, I think there's to me there's three. Oh no, Leanne isn't here, so I can say there's actually three bits. <laughs> <laughs> um. One of the things that really shocked me, and I think that this, it didn't shock me, I knew it was happening, but um, the minister said that the department had done projections that um, uh, showed that childcare fees would continue to rive, uh, rise by about 5.6% per annum under the new childcare subsidy. And if you think about what that means, it means every year fees go up 5.6%. Every year um, the childcare subsidy goes up by 2.2 to 2.5, depending what inflation is. So every year the gap between the subsidy and the fees get larger and larger and larger. So that was pretty, you know, like a, a worst, that is a worst bit to me. Because in a sense, it's a one-stop reset of the whole system so that families will be better off this year, but gradually they'll start to go down the hill again. The second thing was just the lack of ability to do something better. You know, like we could have had a good a much better um, way of funding early education and care. We could have gotten rid of the childcare education um, divide, but we didn't. And the third thing is the absolute crap that um, can fill the space of a coherent narrative about the importance of early education for Australia's children um, I read one article this week about a program that teaches two-year-olds to count backwards because oh, really God. that's a very important skill for two-year-olds, as we'd all know. And it's a fee-paying program that you go to, you know, and it's particularly targeting Asian parents and um, who are worried about academic learning and stuff. And I thought in the in the absence of a clear narrative from our federal government about the importance of early education and the importance of early education starting from birth, then that kind of for-profit, private, rip-off parents by, you know, preying on their worst fears about what will happen to their child if they can't count backwards by the age of two actually becomes, you know, possible. 
what about you? What do you reckon the worst bit is? Yeah, look, I agree with um with with all those. So let's let's take those as read. And um, I, I, my one is going to be in the form of a tweet. So I'm going to read out a tweet which came from uh, Emma Rattenbury, who I know is a listener to the show. So hi, Emma. Uh, we really appreciate you. all your support and comments and liking of our various tweets and, and Facebook posts. Um, and you can follow Emma on Twitter at mzjane85. Um, and she was uh, attending a conference uh, last week, so just before the the uh, the, the switchover, a, a reconciliation conference um, in Wollongong, and she posted uh, this tweet, which you know to me sums up a really significant part of the package. It just isn't getting enough attention today. So then she's quoting someone here: "Today we charge our families twenty two dollars a day. As of Monday, most of our families will be paying ninety dollars a day." Half of our families haven't signed up for MyGov. We're struggling to do it all. From a local and very well-respected Aboriginal woman and educational leader. Uh, and, you know, I don't have too much to add to that. You know, that, that, that to me just sums up the that this package is particularly cruel and punitive to, to you know, people who are already struggling, um, you know, don't have access to, you know, lovely Wi-Fi like the bureaucrats who designed this this policy do, have probably have beautiful MBN and wonderful connections to MyGov. Um, but the, the the real thing that the sector has not spoken up about, which is the transitioning of budget-based funded services to the new system. Uh, so, you know, this is an anecdotal, you know, thing, and it's, it's only from one service, but, you know, one service to me is too much. That's That's suddenly looking at, you know, a three hundred percent increase in fees, and you know that will have a significant access on uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children accessing early childhood education and care. And I said this two and a half years ago, and I'll say it again now: this should have been a red line in the sand for the sector, and there should have been no support given to this package whatsoever. While this was a part, well, this was a component of it. Yeah, I can. I agree with you there, Liam. I, I was talking to someone today about the impact on mobile-based, budget-based funded services. So they're slightly different than the Aboriginal ones, but a lot of them, um, like, are really struggling to find enough children to charge childcare subsidy for to get minimal funding. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the we've... I mean, we think we did a whole episode on budget-based funded services, and I might, you know, link to it in the show notes if I um if I remember, which I never do when I say I'll do the whole, whole link. Uh, but you know, the 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 whole point of the budget-based funded services is they were directly funded because they couldn't operate in a commercial market environment. The idea that they were all going to be able to transition over was always ludicrous, uh, and seems to be being borne out by what we're hearing from the ground. Yep. Yep. Um. Now, Lisa, I know this is one of your favourite components of not just the childcare package, but, you know, sort of all uh, early childhood, uh, you know, related things from the government is um, some, you know, the, the lovely bureaucraties we get. We get quite a bit of that um, around the childcare package. It felt like we were getting an email a day from the department. We felt very loved by the department. It was lovely getting a little daily check-in on um, which, which you know, IT system wasn't working at that time or which glitch they identified. Um, what's the worst offender for you? Which worst, the worst bit of government bureaucraties you found? Look, I actually found so many and I've forgotten them all, so I can't really talk. But I know at one stage I simplified a, a, a whole, you know, like 10-paragraph email to two lines because the rest of it was just full of padding. 
shall we say. But I did find um, a, a, a tiny little gem today when I was reading, don't ask me why, the childcare provider handbook four times. And it was, in some cases, providers may need to consider if mandatory reporting, including mandatory reporting, is required. <laughs> now, even with my bestest imagination on I cannot imagine what they meant by that one. I mean, can you just define the word mandatory for me, Lisa? It seems like, I don't know if mandatory gives you a lot of choice about whether you know. <laughs> I'm struggling. Yeah. What does that word mean? It means something like if you feel like it or I'm not sure. That's a tough <laughs> word, that one. Um, well, that's all right. I've got two for you, Lisa. One's childcare package related and one is um, slightly askew, but I just loved it so much that I feel like I need to share it with um, every one yep. of our listeners. Um Oh, God, I've forgotten the first one. I'm going to go to the second one now and desperately think of it while I come up with the first one. Um, the second one was around um, Rort Alert once again. So I, we still don't have a sound effect, but just, you know, picture the one I've been promising for 70 episodes that we'll do a, a Rort Alert sound on. But family daycare rorting is still ongoing. The government and, and the minister's still finding time to put out press releases about them. But my favourite part was they they said that these, these new rorts and new things were found as part of their current integrity surge which is, I, I, I don't know if I'm the only one who just loves, who can't quite get enough of the idea of that there are bureaucrats <laughs> sitting around in a meeting going up, oh, God, what are we going to call this new thing? You know, we've done, you know, fraud escalation we've done. And someone goes, why don't we just do an integrity search? And you could just yes. see them sitting around going, oh, my <laughs> God, promote, promote this person immediately. <laughs> so I love the... I love the idea there's an integrity surgery going on, and that has stalled me enough to remember the first thing, which is um, something I hadn't really realised until we were right in the thick of the, the transition and we were you know, literally going family by family to see um, which families had transitioned to the new system, had gone on to MyGov and done the checklist. Now, you would assume, you would, you know, assume you're, you're, you know, listen. Is that like a sign-up surge? That's, a, that's right. That's a, um, that's a registration surge. Um, but you know, you know, you you know, lovely, you know, intelligent, you know, listener would assume that you know, if you have something a parent's got to do, so they've got to go onto MyGov and and approve something or not, you would assume there's probably really only two outcomes or you know, two definitions of of what what could happen from that. It's kind of yes or no, really, isn't it? But it turns out, you know, we we underestimated those incredible people at the Department of Education because it turns out. Uh, in terms of a family's, uh, the, whether, whether a family has completed the MyGov checklist or not, there are not two, not three, not even four. There are eight possible definitional outcomes from that process. There are eight ways that process can go, which, I, you know, I, I take my hat off to them. That is not, you know, that is a level of innovative creativity that uh, just uh, I did not think was possible. But so, you know, hats off to them. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive work. I just thought of that other one that um, I think I, I sent to you when I found it, Liam. There was that really um, the one that explained what all the co the computer codes meant. Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, it's like a the A3 piece of paper. It's a blur in front of me. I can picture the the tables. <laughs> it um, we might try and include a link to that in in the notes too. It just it was like the computer nerds in the back room had been given the hands of the you know of the communication system and it just had you know computer term after computer term in it as these were the things that childcare services needed to know wow sad Good. wow 
Yeah. So there was some there was some great stuff around that, and I'm sure there's sometimes, more to come. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like we're a little bit hard on the department. Like they have bought this system together for better or for worse, and it must have been a huge task on each of the key bureaucrats and each of even the ones that were lower down in the in the pecking line must have done an enormous um, amount of work to get this all happening and and across the line. I think one of the reasons why I'm so kind of like scathing of it is because it was supposed to be a simpler system. And as they got into it, they found more and more ways that human beings didn't fit into a simple system. So they'd create exceptions and then that'd create, you know, a new rule and then they'd have to change everything to fit that new rule. And it's kind of like bureaucrats can't really design things simply. It doesn't work like that. But they did persuade the minister that it was going to be simple because on, you know, the day before the subsidy came out, he was quoted in the ABC as saying, one single childcare subsidy? That's got to be far simpler. I said that that gave me a very big belly laugh because, yeah, yeah. It's almost like he was trying to convince himself, I think, in that moment, though, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) That was my interpretation of it. He was like, that's got to be simpler, right, guys? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, I've got to say that the early childhood sector has been kind of spoiled for media attention over the last little while. Probably not all of it's been exactly what we wanted, but the launch of the childcare subsidy has prompted, you know, pretty much all the major media outlets to, to... uh, run quite a few stories each. Um, we won't go into them all depth, but we maybe wanted to just probably pick a few we wanted to share with people. Um, maybe some good and bad examples. So, um, you know, is there a particular you know single article, Lisa, that that you did want to talk about for a few minutes that really leapt out to you? Um, yeah. Look, I think there's two. Um, what a shock. one. Yeah, of course there's two. Well, actually, if you look at our running sheet, Liam, I've got three, but I'll, I'll be nice and just give you two. <laughs> Um, The first one is one written by Eva Cox and, um, uh, you know, like I think we need to learn from people that did advocacy before us and Eva Cox has been fighting for childcare for most of her life. I'm sure she's probably in her late 70s or her 80s and um, we need to learn from that. But one of the things in this article that she keeps pointing out, and it's taken me a while to kind of really get to 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 identify with what she's saying, is that the only way that a family can get additional subsidy or, you know, more hours than 24 hours a week if they're poor, etc., is if they ask them out themselves, if they label their child or themselves or stigmatise themselves as, you know, having a child at risk. So, yes, we're child abusers. Give us more um, childcare. Or, yes, we're so bad we can't look after our, our children, our grandparents have to do it. Or, um, you know, yes, we're having a temporary horrible financial problem. So... There's no universal access to it, but it's not just that there's no universal access. It's that extra bit of having to actually say you have a problem before you can get the extra. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, and the can, other I, can I just say as well, sorry to interrupt, Lisa. Yep. I think um, you posted this on Facebook. I don't often do a lot of Facebook commenting. I've trained myself to avoid it, but I did make a <laughs> relatively pointed comment underneath that, which was uh, if you're in the early childhood sector and find yourself on the wrong side of Eva Cox in an advocacy argument, you're probably not on the right track. <laughs> so I'll just leave that as a comment there on the podcast as well. Precisely. Um, and look, the other one was just um, one that I initially questioned on Twitter. Um, I said, why has this come out now? Because it was a story um, uh, by Rick Morton from uh, The Australian and he was basically exploring how many of our large providers are based in tax havens like Guernsey, like the Guernsey Isles. And initially I said, why is this coming out now? Is it coming out because as punishment for one particular company that had put their fees up by $9 a day and was planning to um, charge for um Child-free days, really, um, or pupil, like the equivalent of pupil-free days in schools. And he did a lot of research as to where the parent company of the private equity um, firm that owns this company, you know, lives, etc. He, as soon as I questioned whether it was just happening as payback from Burma because they'd put their fees up so much. He said, you know, that isn't very fair to me for the work I've done on this story. And so I instantly apologised. But I think it's good that if, you know, if papers like The Australian are beginning to question some of our large private equity-owned childcare services and where where the money that the government is putting in is going, then I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the, the, I can't imagine Minister Birmingham is overall very happy with the media attention the subsidies got because, I mean, The Australian, I mean, a fairly right-wing conservative newspaper ran uh, an editorial on the on 2 July, I mean, saying that it, had, it that the package had already essentially failed in keeping fees down and was therefore, you know, largely a failed package already. I can't imagine he was too happy with that coverage. For sure. Yep. Yeah. The other one, sorry, Liam, the other one I've just got to mention very, very quickly is the one by Patrick Begley in the Sydney Morning Herald where he talked about a number of rotting family daycare rotting. services. <laughs> um, services that are now into rotting the NDIS. Oh, God, that was silly. Yeah, we'll post a link to that one. We don't have time. I'd, I'd love to spend a whole episode just breaking yelling about that article but um yes anyway <laughs> but um that might have well i think that was the one that led to the integrity surge wasn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um just quickly i'm gonna point out just a, a few as well um one is by a fantastic writer i'm just going to check the author of this one lisa bryant oh sounds i don't know who this new kid on the block is she doesn't know anything she sounds like but no but she's written a fantastic article i see lisa has written a fantastic article which got i think a couple of weeks ago so just the week before the sort of big lead up um which focused on uh the the relatively very very unknown i i don't remember anyone picking this up before you posted it posted this um or or got this published in the sydney morning herald lisa you pointed it out well yeah but i mean (laughs) we're not going to go down that road lisa but um the 
Uh, I pro- often get my best ideas from um, articles from Liam and Leanne, guys. <laughs> it, 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 yes, but you you then go and write them. I just tweet them and walk away. But anyway, um, uh, the changes to the priority of access guidelines. So you know, most people working in the sector will be aware that under the do you know you know actually do you know one of the biggest challenges of the last week has been is I have to get used to saying the old system. I used to keep saying the current system, and I spent the whole yeah. week going <laughs> under the current system. I mean the old system. So. Under the old system, old CCMS system, uh, the Federal Department of Education had priority of access guidelines for uh, all uh, services under the National Quality Framework. The focus particularly on uh, children at, at risk of harm, uh, children at risk of neglect, uh, single parents, children with a disability and Indigenous children. Uh, you had to dig through the child care handbook to find this. It was not sort of publicly available or anywhere else, but uh, the government has scrapped those priority of access guidelines, uh, which is, you know, for me, a, a, a pretty, pretty, pretty appalling. I don't know how else to say it. You know, I, there'll be a bunch of people listening to me to, to this going, well, no one really followed their guidelines anyway, which is true. I know that. I've worked in the sector and I know that's largely true. But the fact they were there and it is important and it's not, and I would prefer they were enforced. It's not really uh, the point that they weren't. But the fact that the government was comfortable getting rid of, rid of them uh, really says a lot about what the priorities of this of this package are. Um, and, you know, for me, Lisa, I actually want to read this last paragraph because it was such a good summation of the package in general as well as, you know, this particular issue. Bugger the ones who have chaotic lives, who face disadvantage at every turn, who can't navigate complex government systems and don't have the means to organise their lives to pass complex activity tests. The children from families who start off behind. We will ignore the evidence that these are the families for whom access to early education and care helps the most. That's how our country works now. So, yeah, bravo, Lisa. Really well. Liam, I actually had a better line at the very end of it, but my editor cut it. Because it was swearing? No, it wasn't. It was just, I was too, uh, a bit over the word length, so she cut it. It was, surely a family, a child at risk could just aspire to find a family that didn't abuse them. (laughs) Why didn't they put that in? It's a a webpage. Why, why, Why are they worried about word limits? Well, it was also it was in the oh, I was in the paper as well. Paper as well. It was in the so dead tree they, version. Yeah. Like, that's, so that's like an ex- exclusive deleted scene, exclusive to the early education show. You've got an extra line of that article there. But, um, and it happened at, like it. It was actually the day after the prime minister was talking about aspiration in parliament. So I thought it, you know, tied in really well. But <laughs> didn't make it. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to point out just a couple of ones really quickly. Um, I am going to I'm going to promote one I wrote, but um, I, I don't normally do this. I should have done that for you. No, I'm that's sorry. all right. But I think this uh, it's not so much about um, whether it's well written or not, but just about that it highlights a really critical point that I think's been missed is that you know the government spent their entire time in opposition when Labor were in government bashing uh, you know Julia Gillard and Kate Ellis for their. Uh, drowning the sector in red tape and regulation, and spent five years, you know, after that, claiming they would, do, you know, they would be cutting red tape and getting rid of administrative and regulatory burden. And what they've given us is the childcare subsidy, which is, you know, probably the most administratively complex and, you know, regulatory uh, focused system that you know I've ever had the misfortune of dealing with. So, and that to me just needs to be called out. So I go through a few examples in that um, article on. Uh, I will include a link um, to all to all the articles we're discussing, and then the other one 
uh, is one that came out on Wednesday. Today is we're recording this by uh, Dr. Marion Fennick, who's uh, fantastic. I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting and speaking with Dr. Fennick a few times, and she wrote a fantastic piece for the conversation, uh, which sort of picks up some of the things you were talking about as well, Lisa, which is that, you know, the package really uh, leaves, uh, you know, has a, has a disproportionate impact on vulnerable and disadvantaged families. Um, so it did kind of feel good that we were seeing so many voices raised against uh, the package and the, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's it. We don't want to spend too long going on this. And I think we're probably going to have, a, unless, you know, there's major news coming up in the next little while, this is the new system. I don't think well, we'll be Well, the spending- Centrelink, yeah, Centrelink's um, uh, website has been down for a bit, so there is still the chance of <laughs> catastrophic computer failure ahead. There is, and if that does happen, you know we'll spend it. We'll know you, we'll spend next week uh, gleefully spending an episode on that, but I think we can... No, we wouldn't. No. I, that's I, the last thing we want to happen, but, yeah. you know, like it's... We want services to be able to get their money. We want families to, you know, be able to sit on a lounge and do it in 10 minutes rather than having to ring Centrelink repeatedly to try and find out what their subsidy rate is. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up uh, for this episode, we did have one bonus bit of content that Leanne wanted to make sure we covered. I think, Lisa, are you going to do this one for Leanne? We're going to be in trouble if we don't mention it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I urge everyone to go to um, Jacinda Arden's Facebook page and watch the announcement that she made, that's the uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand, in case you don't know, who um, uh, has just had a baby, the first sitting um, Prime Minister to have a baby, and um, she's off on maternity leave at the moment. But on the same day as our child families package came in, New Zealand's families package came in. And so she sits on the lounge, on her lounge, just like, you know, our um, education minister sat on his lounge and put his Centrelink stuff on. But she sat on her lounge with her baby, who's a week old, and did a Facebook Live just talking about how proud she was of their child care families package and it was things that really mattered things like um you know uh, gas and electricity subsidies and money for universal money for every family in the first year of birth after a child just to help them you know um those especially those families in extreme poverty but i'd urge you to go and have a look at it i don't know a lot about the package but i was just stunned that a prime minister could be holding on to a baby and saying look i just spend my whole life at the moment on this lounge breastfeeding this thing and here's what we've done to make it easy for others in the same position and i just thought it really does matter to have women in power. Yeah. We hope that for those of you working directly in you know, the children's services organisations and centres that the transition hasn't been too bumpy for you. I guess we um, thank you for you know the work you do for, your, for, for children and families at the end of the day. You and I and us didn't ask for this, this change to be foisted upon us, but, I, but it's been... You know, I think Leanne, Lisa, you talked about this at the start of the episode, you know, reading about um, on Twitter and Facebook and across a whole range of things, the, the lengths people were going to and how how um, hard people were working to make this as, as easy for children yeah, and families and as possible. Yeah, and I do a special, you know, call out to the admin assistants yeah. that are, you know, and 
that often don't get the sense of the bigger picture of what they're doing and why they're doing it. But they've a lot of them have worked double time over the last few weeks just trying to, you know, work out what was happening. And who they're generally the front line in copying it from families as well. And families totally oh, yeah. get it who are frustrated, challenged and who God, Lisa, we've talked about this every week for the past 70 weeks and we, we, I don't think any either of us would say we're experts in the system because it's so complex. Imagine families trying to understand what's going on so they get a statement that looks radically different. Um, and, of course, the first call is going to be to the centre and probably to you know the admin enrolment person. And if they're not in a good mood, um, they're off on the front line of dealing with that. So... Um, there's a um, if you if you follow me on Twitter you'll see there's a tweet where I've tweeted a, a picture of five coffees going to our admin and finance team who are spending two pretty solid days calling families. So, um, so you bought them coffee. So I bought them coffees. Wow. That's that's the that's the best <laughs> I could do. Look, Lisa, I'm not good at that stuff. At least they got something <laughs> before I <laughs> before I, I whip them back a to work. Of the finest red fruit. And Lisa, we have strict policies around that, so I can't possibly comment about that. But um, <laughs> but yes, uh, we. Yes, we've gone off a tangent there as we're at the end of the episode, but well done to everyone who's worked incredibly hard. Um, if you do, you know, if you have stories about the transition, if you want to let us know, um, get in touch with us on Facebook, yeah, Twitter. Yeah, we've been online, someone's been telling me nasty things that the New South Wales Department of Family and Community Services is doing um, uh, uh, in regards children at risk and the childcare subsidies. So I'll have a look at that and maybe can report on that next week. Sounds good. All right. Well, until we're next with you, it's goodbye from me. And from me. You have been listening to The Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Leah McNicholas and produced by Leah McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com. And while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.